This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency Design, Future Formula, a personalized anti-aging formula prescribed by a dermatology provider to treat fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and more. Agency has clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than over-the-counter retinol. Future Formula by Agency. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. Hello and welcome to Tales from Titchmarsh, a wry look at life over the garden fence, with me, Alan Titchmarsh. This time, getting kids into gardening, the subtle way. Many years ago, about four decades to be precise, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I considered applying for a teacher training course, but life took a different turn and I ended up at Kew Gardens creating staff training courses. This amounted to the same thing, I suppose, albeit achieved via an alternative route. Sharing passions and passing on what I hope are useful skills have always been the driving force behind what I do. But after a couple of years of teaching... I discovered two things that indicated I wasn't really cut out for the job. The first was that, of necessity, I had to teach the same things each year, every year. And the second was that it became increasingly clear that not everyone wanted to learn. Variety, for me, is key. It's the thing that keeps me fresh and alive, and doing the same job year in, year out would, I knew, lead to the greatest enemy of my life, boredom. That's not to say that I lack tenacity or that I'm incapable of doing the same thing more than once. However, I need to find a way of staying fresh, and print journalism, television and radio have given me the chance to do exactly that, even if I do have to explain autumn lawn care each year. There's sufficient variety in between to make the instructions for 
scarification and aeration tolerable. But teaching people who really don't want to learn? Now, that's much harder. I don't begin to suggest that there were more than one or two in that situation at Kew, where the vast majority of people are keen for knowledge and provide excellent company and stimulation. However, you only need the odd pair of eyes to glaze over and to spot the odd yawn to realise that teachers need a different kind of patience to that required for growing plants. I'm clearly less tolerant of recalcitrant people than I am of tricky trees and shrubs. In this respect, I'm the odd one out in my family, for my wife and daughters have all enjoyed the teaching profession. I know from their experiences just how much patience, diligence and commitment are needed to be a good teacher, but perhaps I can allow myself a little pat on the back for at least not putting them off gardening. When my daughters were small, I vowed that I wouldn't push things. Each spring, they'd ask for a patch of ground in which to sow seeds, and a few weeks later, they'd have forgotten about it. That's the way it is with most tiny tots. I refrained from making a fuss and saying, have you looked at your patch recently? Instead, I encouraged them to simply enjoy being out there. Fresh air meant fun, tree houses, picnics, and being squirted with a hosepipe on sunny summer days. I did encourage them to look at and enjoy beautiful flowers, but if the prospect of going into the garden meant hard work and tedium, I reasoned then it wouldn't be long before they turned their back on the great outdoors and refused to have anything to do with it. My technique paid off. While I can't claim that my daughters have mastered botanical Latin, they are now both in possession of a garden and have confessed that there is no way they could live somewhere that was not green. Job done. Except that I'm now reliving those experiences with grandchildren who, mercifully, simply love being outdoors. I can't begin to tell you how much joy it gives me seeing them collect conkers, make dens, and simply run around a garden shrieking with delight. If we're to leave our landscape in safer hands than ours appear to be, we need to foster within our children and grandchildren a simple love of the great outdoors, a joy of being out in the fresh air. This will mature in time, into an understanding that plants and flowers, trees and wildlife, hills and dales, sustain us both physically and spiritually, and deserve to be loved, cherished and protected in return. We must pass on that love in a joyful way, so that those who follow us regard it as a privilege, not a chore. Now... There's a challenge for all of us.